Welcome to Book Circle Online. Today I am here with author CJ Zayner, and we are going to discuss her book, Dream Wide Awake. Is it a book based on imagination or a premonition that she has? We're going to dive deeper into that. We're also going to have an exclusive for you guys on the suicide gene. And lastly, if you are with us till the end, you may be the next character in one of CJ Zayner's upcoming books. So stay tuned. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Hey guys, we are here with Book Circle Online, and I am so excited. I know you hear this creepy Twilight Zone theme song, but that is the basis. I mean, that is kind of like what I feel like when I read Dream Wide Awake, um, this is just the feeling that I get behind it. So I am so excited to be here today with my mother and the author of Dream Wide Awake and The Suicide Gene, C.J. Zayner. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And this is such an interesting set of books that she has here because she has these two books that are controversial thrillers. One, The Dream Wide Awake, which is a paranormal thriller, and The Suicide Gene, which is a psychological thriller. And some of these books, pieces of these books were based on premonitions and paranormal experiences that she has, which we are going to dive deeper into. We are also going to talk a little bit about uh, some little hints for the suicide gene. So stick with us because that's an exclusive that CJ Zaner is doing publicly with us, just our listeners and viewers. She's never given this hint out before. And then lastly, if you stay tuned all the way to the end, you may be the next character in one of her upcoming books. So again, thank you, CJ, for joining us. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Hi, I'm online at Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I-E dot Zayner at yahoo.com or Cindy at CindyZayner.com. So go ahead and email her. She's very um, interactive with her readers, but she also has a website, CJZayner.com. All over social media, you can find her at CJZayner, but then on Twitter, she's at TweetyZ9, correct? Correct. Okay, perfect. And if you're joining us in the live chat, thanks so much for joining us. Please feel free to ask us questions. Um, We'd love to hear from you guys, but just to get started with everything. Let's start by talking a little bit about how you became a published author because, I mean, I'm very close to you, so I know the story. It's so inspirational. This has been a dream of yours your entire life to become a published author. Um, And you went about your life and went kind of a different route, went into business. You were a grant writer for the city of Erie. And then just one day you up and walked out. Can you tell us more about that experience? I did. I've always loved writing and I always wanted to write novels. That was my dream. And um, what happened is I only have one sibling and he's quite a bit older than me. And when I was at City Hall, right before I walked out, my brother came down with early Alzheimer's or early onset dementia and his wife had early onset Alzheimer's. And that really hit me hard. And um, I was struggling with that, and one day I decided life is too short, and I just got up from my, got my purse and walked out of work and never went back and started writing novels. So, so with that being said, I mean, you set your life up in a way that you always had these like stable careers and, and, and ways to, you know, financial things to get, you know, ways to get 
your finances, you know, in place. And then all of a sudden you just decide to walk out. Like, what was that feeling like for you? That was terrifying. Uh, it's one thing to have a dream, but then to really go after it and leave everything else behind you is really a scary step to take. And once I did take it, it I was very nervous, but I what I decided to do was just throw my heart and soul into it, and I worked seven days a week. I wrote, I uh, took classes online, I met other authors and talked to them, and really just jumped right into it. And what the one thing I do want people to know is it, it is possible. I mean, three years ago when this all began, I thought, is this just going to be a pipe dream? And now here I am with two books out and three more in the making. And so I want people to know you can go after your dreams and you can do it. That is so exciting. Well, congratulations. Um, but let's talk about Dream Wide Awake. Can you tell us a little bit about what Dream Wide Awake is about without giving any spoilers? I can. Um, Dream Wide Awake is the story of six-year-old Michaela Daly, who has premonitions, and her father, Jack Daly, who is an investigator for a small city. And Jack never believed in psychics or mediums, even though he actually married a woman that was known for being clairvoyant. But it all came to reality when his daughter started dreaming, and she dreamt about the abduction of three little boys in her hometown. And he realized then that premonitions could be real. The problem was with that realization came a frightening experience. It frightened him because um, he knew about this governmental project called Project Dream that actually began after 9-11. And that, this is the controversial part of, the, of, of my book because pe- some people say it couldn't happen. And I say, well, it's, some things are not too far from the truth. But what Project Dream involves is they originally they took 25 children out of reformatories and children with a sixth sense and they put them into a what they called was a prodigy camp in Phoenix, Arizona, but it was actually in uh, Area 51, the Nevada desert, and they trained them in remote viewing. It was really meant to augment the adult reviewing, adult remote viewing program, which really never worked out. You can look online, and there are actually remote viewing programs like that, and they never did work out. But I thought there were several things that led up to it, but I thought that they could uh, – what would happen if children were actually trained? And what happened in the story is they – had complete success, and so the government went after 75 more children, but they didn't want uh, people from juvenile, they did not want juvenile delinquents because they were causing too many problems, so they went out and and coerced or cajoled or um, blackmailed parents into giving their children, putting the, enrolling their children into this project dream, and um, they did say that they would have, everything would be at their fingertips. Their life, they'd never be without money. When they graduated from college, their, their jobs would be, they could have any job that they really desired. Um, but they would help the country and protect the country from, from threats like 9-11. Okay. So reading some of the interviews that you've done online, you mentioned that some of the books some of what is in the books are based on real paranormal experiences you had. And I know you talk about Project G- Dream and the remote viewing, um, about remote viewing with Project Dream. How did that come about with premonitions that you've had? Well, there's four 
four events in my life that happened that influenced this book, and two were paranormal. One was I had a vision of 9-11 two months before it happened. Um, another factor that led to the book was I interviewed a very well-known psychic. Her name was Ann Gaiman when I worked freelance, when I did a little bit of freelance for local papers and magazines. And then um, a third event was a simple vacation that I took. And finally, and the most predominant event was um, when I was three years old, I had a paranormal experience. And that is actually chapter three of Dream Wide Awake. So can you tell us about that experience? Well, when I, I I remember it, I'm actually in the book, the um, little girl is in her grandparents' attic, and I was in my grandparents' attic sleeping. My grandmother was bedridden, and my mother did have to move to her house to take care of her. And I can remember this like it was yesterday. I was sleeping in the upstairs attic in a bed, and I had my hand between the mattress and the headboard. And someone grabbed my hand, and I woke up, and he wouldn't let go. And I was wide awake, and I... I knew it was a man. I knew it was a, I, I associated it as a devil, and it scared me so much. I just started screaming, and he still wouldn't let go. And my mother came to me, and she pulled me away, and that's how I lost his grip. And he thought, and 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 everyone told me you were dreaming, you were dreaming. You know, it was just a dream. And I, but fifty years later, I still remember that I have never slept with a hand over the side of my bed in fifty years since that's happened. That's how bad it it scared me. That is so spooky, <laughs> and that is why I chose Twilight Zone to bring this in on because I did read that part, and it is very creepy. So that was one thing that helped write this book. But you also mentioned premonitions about nine eleven. I did. I had a premonition two months before nine eleven happened, and. Um, It began in July. I was at work, and I was a grant writer, so I had deadlines to make, and and I was concentrating at my desk, and all of a sudden I felt the the desk move, and I thought, are we having an earthquake? And then I realized, and there's no real easy way for me to say this, and people are going to think I'm crazy because I thought I was crazy. I I had a movie in my head, and I saw myself approaching a city, and... um, that was the first part of the movie in my head. And then the second part was I could see the gray boulders of the floors buckling beneath me. So I had this vision three days in a row while I was working in the same spot. So I started to take notes on it. And I wrote small city because I was coming in closer. Then I crossed that out a couple days later and put medium city. Then I realized it was a big city. So I crossed that out and I put pine trees. I knew I was in northeastern America but I, and by a body of water, but I thought it was maybe the Great Lakes, and I was looking for large cities by the Great Lakes, but I couldn't figure it out, and I really couldn't figure out what it was. But it, I had this this dream, um, at least once or twice a week after that initial week. So at the end of July, I wrote, took all my notes down on a big desk calendar, those ones that you you have most business offices have, and I at the end of July I said, no, I, there's. There's going to be a building that collapses. I'm I'm not throwing this out. So then it got to the. I'm, I'll wait till the end of uh, August. So at the end of August, towards the end of August, I had a training to do in Washington D.C. It was within a mile of the Pentagon, and the training was in the basement of a huge building. And all I kept thinking was, Oh dear God, I hope this is not the building that's collapsing because I'm dead if it is. Mm-hmm. And um, so at the end of August, 
when I went back to work, I thought, you know what, I'm going to hang on to this calendar one more time. Because by that time, I had stopped taking notes. I took notes like 72 floors, like I thought I was on the 72nd floor. And I also took notes, I said, I think it was like 1012 and 1016. I still have it at home, packed away in Pennsylvania. And I had um, 1012 and 1016. And all my premonitions were between 10 o'clock and 1030. Mm -hmm. And always at my desk where I was working. So I really didn't um, take too many more notes. Um, so that, so I thought, well, I'll keep it one more month. And if, if September come, comes and goes and no building collapses, I'm getting rid of this calendar. So on September 11th, I was working, I had a deadline to meet for a grant and, um, our direct, I heard people saying that a, an airplane had run into a, into one of the world trade centers. So our director pulled a TV out into our secretary Sharon's office and so people could kind of keep an eye on it and I didn't pay much attention I just thought oh that's terrible so about 10 o'clock somebody walked by my came through the back in my past my cubicle and said someone the one of the buildings collapsed and I was like oh my gosh were people inside and he was he said yes there were and I'm like oh that's horrible and I was just so heartsick about it and I went back to my desk and I sat down right in the spot where I'd had those premonite, those dreams, now those movie, crazy movies in my head. And I thought, oh my gosh, this, this is exactly what happened. So I got up and I went out in the other room and I said to the people there, I know you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but I've been having this dream that people have, that there's been a building collapsing. And, um, when did this all begin or when did this all happen? And somebody said eight, three in the morning. I'm like, well, that makes me feel a little bit better because my dreams were always between 10 o'clock and 10.30 back at my desk. And they all turned around and said, the buildings didn't collapse until 10. So I literally had to go to the, to the ladies' room and splash water on my face because I thought I was going to pass out. So when I came back, the second one had had collapsed. And um, our secretary, Sharon, came back and she said, are you all right? And she, we really didn't, I, nobody really knew me that much because I had only been there nine months. And so I thought, oh, they're going to think I'm crazy. And I actually said that to her. I know you think I'm crazy, but I actually did have these premonitions. And then I remembered my notes. And so I took spread, hurried up and spread all my grant work off my desk. And I said, here, here's, here's a sheet sheet here's my notes and I looked at him I'm like oh gosh it doesn't tell really that much about it and I looked at her and she said nothing and and I said I know you it it you probably think I'm crazy and she goes oh I believe you and I'm like you do and she said yeah she said take a look at where your notes are and here all the time that I had taken notes I always went back to the bar to the box marked 11th and oh took my all my gosh. notes in the eleventh. So this story like is so like chilling. I get goosebumps every time I think of this. It's crazy. And you're my mother. Um, and although we are similar in many ways, we are also very different in many ways. And and something that I have always been about this kind of thing is a skeptic. Like I'm very black and white minded, and I don't see the gray area. So like for skeptics like myself, we hear these stories and we're like, yeah, right. And for people that don't know you. They're going to say, yeah, this is a tall tale. Like, this didn't I don't happen. Blame, I don't blame them. <laughs> so do you have any, like, stories where you had a premonition that came true in your life that proved that these premonitions are real? I've I've had a few, but the biggest one was once we were robbed in at our house. Somebody took some of our jewelry. And when we realized that, I went up to my jewelry box and I opened it up and I, again, had one of these movies in my head. And I didn't know anything about 
pawn shops or any I'd never been in a pawn shop of any kind but I had this movie in my head of the guy who stole our jewelry counting money at a country fair after he had pawned our jewelry and I had no idea what the jewelry store looked like I knew he was across the street from it because he'd just gotten the money and he looked up it was almost like I was him and he looked up and I saw a little plaza on a street on a familiar street so I told my husband um, go see if there's a pawn shop there because I don't have these dreams for no reason. Well, a few days later, my husband said, I'm going to that pawn shop where you said there might be a, on that corner where you said there might be one. And I'm like, wait, there is one? And he goes, yeah. I said, come home and get me because I'm going in there. So I went in there and I talked to the guy and I said, listen, I don't know if you believe in this or not, but I had a dream that the guy who stole our jewelry pawned my jewelry here. And he said, well, I wasn't here that week, that Saturday, so let me check. So he called my husband the next day, and he said, uh, we don't have our jewelry. And m- my husband called me and told me, and I said, you call him back, and you tell him you ha- he has our jewelry. I had this dream. There's no way I would dream that because I didn't even know they existed. Mm-hmm. And two days later, the boy, he had had a drug problem, and he confessed. He had stole from three different um, homeowners and he told them where he stole, where he pawned the jewelry, and it was that pawn shop. So did you get your jewelry back? We did. Oh, we my got gosh. It back. <laughs> so for all you non-believers, I mean, it sounds to me like like you're winning me over at this point. So so some of these premonitions help shape the book. Another thing that you mentioned, though, um, just continuing to move into Dream Wide Awake, is um, an um, interview that you did with a top psychic medium. Can you tell us more about how that helped shape this book? I did. I had the opportunity to uh, interview Anne Gaiman when I was doing freelance articles for a local magazine. And she, you can look her up online. She was in the afterlife experiments of um, the University of Arizona. A very nice woman. And she gave me the best description because I'm a very logical person. So I was skeptical too about all this and always thought I was crazy, which is another thing. Um, when I would have these things when I was young, my mother, my, my mother once said to me, uh, hey, you, you got to stop talking about this or you're going to end up in a mental ward. So I, too, was very skeptical about all these things. But she explained it very well. She said, everyone has a sixth sense. And some people, it's like being a pianist. Some people can sit down at a piano and they can play by ear. A lot of children, even even children can do that. And then there's other people who no matter how long they practice and how many hours they put forth, they're still only going to be able to play Mary Had a Little Lamb. They're just not good at it. And then there's people that are in between that can practice and practice and practice and become very proficient in it. And I, that's another big reason that I I chose children for this book because I thought, what if... They took children and they trained them in remote viewing and psychic ability skills, um, not on classes, but got them together and really trained them five days, six days a week. And that, mm-hmm. so that was another factor that led to me writing the book. Okay. And then the fourth and last thing that you mentioned was a – Well, th- the uh, vacation. To, vacation that you took. Okay, yes. That, tell us how that – Well, that was – I when I – when we were, I went, I went from Las Vegas to Death Valley on mm-hmm. vacation. And when I drove by Area Fifty One, I was 
I thought, wow, this is eerie. There was nobody around. It's all desert. I, and I thought, you know, if the government was going to hide children in, in a Project Dream program, it would be there. Mm-hmm. So that was the third thing. Then the fourth, the fourth thing was the um, childhood thing, which was the most predominant. So, so all of those helped shape Project Dream. But, um, you know, so, so Dream Wide Awake itself is based on the concept that if children were trained from a young age, like you said, they might be successful at remote viewing and they could help the government protect the country. So here's where things get kind of weird with this story is because with everything that's going on with the government right now, like, I honestly don't find this to be that far-fetched. I mean, we, we, we've seen, you know remote viewing done by governments in the past and our government, the way that it's going, I I just don't see this, like I said, as far fetched. So my, my question to you is how do you know that this is your imagination and not a premonition that you're having? Well, it's, it's that, that's scary because I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, I think I, I dreamt it all up. I, with those four events in my life and actually it's funny you should ask that because I have a a book club that uh, I belong to back in my hometown and we run all of our writing um, past each other and get opinions and when I finished the book I needed a a book blurb that gave a short description of Dream Wide Awake and I so I took it to them and I read them the the blurb and when I finished, I looked up, and there's probably about 20 people or 15 to 20 people in there, and they're all sit staring at me blankly. And I'm like, oh, brother, it must have been a lousy, a lousy description. And so I sat there, and nobody said anything, and nobody said anything. And finally, the lady next to me said, is this fiction or is this true? And I yeah. started laughing, and I'm and but but I I, ho- I pray to God that this is fiction and not a premonition I had. Well, it's so funny because reading the book, that's like exactly what's going through my head. Like I'm like as you're reading this book, it is so real. And then knowing you personally, and you can tell me what you think here, but from all of these premonitions that you've had, um, and other paranormal experiences that you've told me about. I personally consider you to be a psychic medium, but tell tell our listeners and our viewers like how you view yourself. I mean, would you call yourself a psychic medium? I do not want to call myself a psychic medium. I'm too logical. I, you know, I I if I'm a medium, I don't practice. That's for sure. I've had these experiences in my life, and um, because my mother told me when I was 13 years old, don't talk about them, I still to this day have a hard time talking talking about the experiences I have. But you have had these premonitions and you've, you have read for people. I have when I'm when so people... So why don't you consider yourself to be a psychic <laughs> well, I would, medium? Well, I would never take any money for it once because I, I have a hard time telling between what is the movies in my head that I'm, that are actual visions as compared to my imagination. Which it, it makes this even <laughs> scarier people out there reading this book, Dream Wide Awake. That is exactly, like, listen to that quote and then read the book, come back, re-listen to this. Because that is where I'm reading this book and I'm, like, scared. Because I'm like, well, she tells me that she doesn't know if it's her imagination or if it's a real message that needs to get out there. So, again, I, we, we just talked about this, but we don't know that this is... As far as I know, this is just fiction. Okay. 
So let's leave it at that. Hopefully that's true. Hopefully. So, yeah, please. Because um, it is a really creepy story. Um, so aside from that, due to the popularity of Dream Wide Awake, your readers wanted to know more about the characters. And you're very interactive with your readers. You welcome them to, to give I you do. feedback and to ask you questions, which is really cool. I do. Um, so you recently changed directions in your writing. What did you I, do? I totally changed directions because... Um, I was editing, I have another book written and it, it doesn't have anything to do with Dream Wide Awake. And a lot of my reviewers and my first reads, people that read it right away and pe- readers since have asked me, well, I want to know what happened next, you know, with this character and that character. So I started writing that book. Well, then people started saying, well, wait a minute. I want to know what happened during Project Dream when these kids were young because now it's 2017. One of the Project Dream children is actually Michaela Daly's aunt, is, and that's the reason that Michaela's father is so afraid of, of this Project Dream because in 2017 with the new administration in in the White House, there was rumor that they're going to start up another Project Dream. And so that's why Jack was so afraid of it. But but a lot, a couple, a few of my readers, several of my readers said, "Wait a minute, we want to know what happened to them during Project Dream." So I totally stopped doing everything else. There's this Nano Write Month that uh, November is um, write a book in a month, and I thought I'm going to write this book. So mm-hmm. I am halfway through pro- the, the the book Project Dream. So when we were speaking earlier about your prequel to Dream Wide Awake, you said that this story has been a story that you've basically had in your head. Like you knew everybody's backstory ahead of time. I did. So my question to you is why not write that story first? Why start with Dream Wide Awake? Well, I, my, the whole concept and since I was young, since, since, since I've been writing, I always thought I would start a book with that chapter three Mm -hmm. with that little girl. And I did. I just started writing that story. But as I, as I wrote it, I had to know these characters that were in Project Dream. And so in my head and a few notes here and there, I would say, okay, this person that experienced Project Dream, he went through this, this girl went through that. And so there was this backstory that I had to get straight. And and that's the way it is with writing. You have to have, you build a whole character and they've had a whole life before you. And you don't really, you just know their life enough to write the story you're writing about. But everybody had so many questions about this Project Dream that... I decided, well, maybe I should write that first. So that's what I'm doing. Okay, so great. So do you have a release date for Project Dream, or do you have an idea of when that book will come out? I'm hoping that will come out in the spring. Okay. So everybody get on it, (laughs) check out Dream Wide Awake, and then come springtime, you guys can check out Project Dream. (laughs) One thing that you mentioned to me over the past week was that you are that you name these characters like these minor characters in your book you name them after people I do. so i thought that was like so interesting and we have a little surprise for our viewers and our listeners so first tell me how it came about that you started naming these minor characters in your book okay i was i, was, I sit and i write a, a few different places but when you're writing you have all these minor characters and you have they might show up four or five times in a book and I can never remember them, and I'm not the best note taker, so I was constantly searching back. I'm on chapter 49, and I'm trying to find 
uh, who was the secretary's, who, who did I name the secretary's, uh, the police chief secretary? So I finally said, the heck with this. I'm just going to name her because I worked at City Hall. I'm going to name her after Donna, who I, who I, who is actually a secretary. So I emailed her dad first and said, hey, I'm writing this book. There's this minor character. I, I can't remember the person. So I'm going to use Donna's name if that's okay with her. And so I got her permission to do that. I've done that with the lady across the street. Some of the neighbors are across the street, are the little are the families of the little boys who were kidnapped. So I, I, I've done that quite a few times. And it's easier to remember the minor characters then. Well, that is interesting. Not having written a book, I just... <laughs> It makes so much sense now. Like, I wonder if all authors do that. I wonder, too. But something really cool that we're going to offer to the listeners and viewers, do you want to tell them about it? Well, I am in the middle of Project Dream. There's a few people that go through Project Dream, and I'm... I can't remember their names, so I'm willing to take some suggestions from any of the readers that could can email me. I might take one of their names. So you want people to email you your name, or I mean their, their name. name. Any if anybody who wants to, they can Instagram me or or uh, t- send it to me on Twitter or have a um, CJ Zayner author on Facebook and. I'm looking for a couple of names, if you don't mind me using your name. So they if, won't be real bad people either, so okay, I try not to perfect. do that. <laughs> so if you are out there and you're listening or you're with us in the live chat or you're viewing this, go out on Twitter or on Instagram, hashtag dream wide awake name challenge. Good. Is that good? That's good for can me. We, can we do that? That makes yeah. it easier. Yeah. And give us your name and you may just be the next character in C.J. Zayner's Project Dream. I promise I won't make you too crazy. Can we also do it for the listeners? Can they comment on the bottom they of this can. video? Yes, sure. Okay, so if Absolutely. you're on YouTube, comment on the bottom of the video with your name if you are interested in being a character. And their webs- and their um, email address, or they, okay. can, they can message it to me. Okay, because on- you like to get permission from people. I do. I get okay. it in writing, yeah. Okay, perfect. So, again, hashtag Dream Wide Awake Name Challenge on Twitter, Instagram, give us your name. And then if not, if you're watching on YouTube in the comments, uh, give us your name and email address so that we can contact you. Well, not me, but CJ Zayner, <laughs> the author, can contact you about being a minor character in her next book, Project Dream. That's so has cool. It has to be a good name. You can Thank help you. me with that. I want my name in the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kids. No kids. I did that before. <laughs> okay. Well, switching gears, um, because I know we talk a lot about Dream Wide Awake. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your other book, The Suicide Gene. Yes. So The Suicide Gene is a psychological thriller. So it it's is. a much different book than Dream Wide Awake. It is. So can you tell our listeners who maybe have had read, read Dream Wide Awake already a little bit, bit about Suicide Gene? Actually, the Suicide Gene is is pretty controversial also. It, it's based on the assumption that – or not the assumption, the question, could there be a suicide gene in f- certain families? And it begins with a the death of an identical twin, M. McKinney. And readers don't know whether it's Minnie or Mary McKinney who has passed away. And then it quickly regresses six months to before the death. And um, the story is actually of the McKinney family's psychiatrist, and her name is Emma Kerr. And Emma was adopted at birth, and her records were lost. And over the years, people have said they she looks much like uh, the, the McKinney's. 
So she begins counseling them through a series of events, and she wonders, are these my – she starts to suspect that these really are her, her biological siblings. And then quickly everything changes, and she finds herself entangled in a controlling McKinney world, and um, she gets caught up in a game of intellect. And there's a lot of hidden messages in there. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because <laughs> something that you haven't said publicly, you're also willing to share with us here at Book Circle Online, which we really appreciate. Um, can you tell us a little hint that you're going to give your readers? I can because none of my readers have figured this out. I have told a few individual people who have questioned about it and read the whole book. But maybe two, I think, is all. So this but, is like the first time. Oh, this publicly. is the first time. I'm not. I'm what I'm going to give you a hint. I'm not telling you. Okay. I'm saying all of the numbers in the in the suicide gene mean something, and you should pay particular attention to the dates, the dates of the counseling sessions. Okay. Pay attention to the dates of the counseling sessions. They mean something big. If you want to know how smart the McKinneys really are. Pay attention to those. That's a huge hint. Okay, maybe so, too big. So, but nobody's figured this out yet, and nobody's nope. inquired about it. Nope. So, what do we do with these dates? Well, I'm not going to tell you because I've read the book. So now <laughs> I need to like go back and read it. So tell me, what do I need to do? That's all. That's the only hint I'm so giving. So I have you. to go back and pay attention to the dates. You do. Okay. <laughs> so if you have an IQ higher than me, please like comment on this video and tell me what I'm supposed to do with these dates so that I can figure it out if you figured it out before me because I've read the book and I did not realize that. Not even so, telling you. So there's hidden messages in there, people. So um, thank you so much, CJ, for joining us today. Um, thank you for everybody in the live chat. We really appreciate you getting on, talking with us. Um, again, for our listeners and our viewers, please go on social media, Twitter, Instagram, hashtag Dream Wide Awake Name Challenge. Give us your name, and you may, may be the next character in CJ Zayner's upcoming book. And if you're on YouTube, comment below with your email address and your name, and we will reach out to you. Um, CJ, thank you so much for joining us. I The story that you have become a published author is so inspirational. The books are so great. And being my mom, I'm so excited to have Thanks. you here. So thank you so much Thanks. for joining us. Can great. you um, tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Cindy, and that's C-Y-N-D-I-E, Zayner, at uh, yahoo.com. Uh, Tweety Z on Twitter. Tweety Z9. Tweet, no, Tweety Z. Oh, just Tweety Z. I'm sorry. I gave you. The, I gave them the wrong Tweety one Z. at the beginning. That's the only on Twitter. Right. CJ Zayner on Instagram, Tweety Z on, on Twitter. Okay, great. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm Jesse Zayner. You could find me all over social media at Athletic. And please comment, give us a like um, on the video. We will respond to your questions. We want to name these two characters in the upcoming book. So please be a part of our Dream Wide Awake name challenge. And until next time, thanks so much, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. See ya. See ya. From executive producers Kevin Undergaro, Maria Menunos, and Jeffrey Masters, Thanks for tuning in to Book Circle Online. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. To suggest a book title or their author, you can tweet us at Book Circle On. This is Book Circle Online. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.